You're listening to Seattle's Master Composter Podcast. <laughs> My name's Danielle, and I want to be a master composter because I feel that returning organic matter back to the soil for new growth is an important part of our life cycle that it's incumbent upon humans to take a more active role in. Okay, so I'm standing here with uh, Graham Goldbuff. We're outside the, we're just west of the Seattle Tilth Garden? Mm-hmm, that's correct. Yeah, just west of the garden and the Good Shepherd Center over in Wallingford. And we're standing on grass right now because we're here to talk about soil types today. And this is similar to what people might expect to find in their own, uh, around their own house if they haven't done any soil improvements, right? Yeah, definitely. The lawn we're standing on here is um, pretty characteristic of a normal Seattle lawn. It's not managed with any pesticides, and, you know, Seattleites do a pretty good job of not dousing their lawns in pesticides. So we find some weeds. We find a mixture of grasses and other broadleaf plants, clovers, and um, other weedy things that folks might not like. Um, and then soil conditions are pretty characteristic as well. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't going to be rich soil, but we're going we're gonna to dig some up and sort of see what it looks like in there. And then later we'll compare that to other soil types. So let's, let's dig a little hole. Let's see if we can get down some more. It's pretty tough digging. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we're only getting about... Uh, two inches or so into the ground. Um, just the grass roots are fairly thick and um, we're actually looking at fairly decent soil in here, at least for a lawn. But um, you know what we're seeing in here is fairly typical. We've got some earthworms going on, um, which is a sign of some good mineral soil. But uh, when I say mineral, I mean a soil with lower than 10% organic matter level. Just looking at this soil, how would we tell if it, it contained organic matter or not? Generally, the darker your soil is, the more organic, um, the higher percent organic content it's got in it. So if you're looking at a soil that's kind of like a tannish or light brown, you know, something that actually looks more like beach sand, there's really not a ton of organic matter in it. Um, whereas something that's real dark and rich looking um that's had a lot of dead stuff breaking down in it over or and live stuff too um over time so that's a nice organic soil so this one is prob this is actually it's i'd say it's a little more on the mineral side and it's not quite at 10 percent organic matter but there's a decent amount of organic matter in here at least in the upper two inches does uh if if we were to dig around in our lawn and find soil like this does that mean it's not a good place for a garden um, no, not at all. You can definitely, um, you know, what if you say you've got a lawn and you want to convert it um, to kind of more of a vegetable garden, or not necessarily a vegetable garden, but something else besides a lawn, um, there's definitely a lot of practices you can do to build that soil up and, you know, get your soil at the kind of conditions that you would need to, you know, grow the plants you want to grow. What's about the right level of organic content for a perennial bed or a vegetable garden? If you can get your organic content between like 8 and 11% or so of your soil, and that's not something you're going to necessarily be able to tell by eyeballing. You're going to want to, um, you know, a soil test will tell you that, and you guys will find out about that later. But, um, yeah, between 8 and 11% is a real good organic matter percentage. Yeah. 
And so there's, there's two things that we look for in, in assessing our soil. One is organic content, and the other is kind of what the soil is made of, whether it's sandy or whether it's clay. What, what is this soil in terms of its clay or, or sand content? There's some pretty big particles in here. I'd say it's more on the sandy side, but it's a, um, it's a decently loamy soil. Loamy means it's got a little mix of everything. It's got um, sand particles, which are big. It's got clay particles, which are small, and, uh, and also a good percentage of organic matter as well. So I'd say this is probably like a loamy sand just from looking at it offhand. Um, some ways you can tell... Uh, Real quickly, I mean, this is not quite wet enough, but... Um, You're squeezing it in your yeah. hand into a little ball right now. Yeah, a clay soil, if you, um, as you, you know, sort of squeeze something palm-sized in your hand, a clay soil will stick together pretty well and not necessarily crumble, where this guy is, uh, it's, you know, sort of crumbling apart, not really forming a super solid ball. So that gives me a pretty good indication that it's, things are a little bit on the sandier side. Is sand or is clay good or bad? No, neither is good or bad. Um, and there's a lot of, and they both have their advantages and disadvantages, to be honest. Um, what sand will do, in essence, uh, is it drains water very well, so it doesn't hold water, but that also means it has a harder time uh, hanging on to things like nutrients or um, or even things like, if say, say you uh, have a sandy soil and you put a lot of pesticides on it, those things are getting washed away, um, pesticides and also, you know, fertilizers. Any, I mean, anything. So a sandy soil, you have a lot, a lot higher percentage or likelihood for things to leach away. Um, whereas clay soils don't um, drain very well, but they're very good at storing water, storing nutrients, storing any other amendments that you put in the soil that, um, you know, you would put there to feed your plants over time. So... Um, it's really about having a kind of balance between those two, and organic matter is sort of the silver bullet in a lot of ways. It will um, help you retain water, it will help your soil drain, it will um, increase nutrient retention, it will um, you know, create areas for various, um, various amendments and various chemical constituents to bind to that make them available to plants over the long term so they don't get washed away by the rain that we face here in the Northwest. Um, but yeah, I would say there's not like, there's not one or the other that's that's good or bad. <laughs> when we go to the nursery and they say, uh, you know, you read the little tags for plants, it almost always says needs free draining soil, you know, which means sandy, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly what that means. A free draining soil means it's got big mineral particles in it, um, on the, you know, just like beach sand caliber. So, um which increases drainage, as we were talking about. You described compost as a silver bullet. Does that mean that compost brings some of the characteristics of a sandy soil to a clay soil? Can compost make a clay soil more free-draining so that we're more likely to be able to grow those plants from the nursery in our soil? Yeah, absolutely. It does that in a couple ways. Um, so in, you know, the particles that are in, I mean, really what soil gets down to is particle size. So that be, the mineral particles, clay particles are very, very, very small, and they're able to just uh, be compacted and pressed together a lot easier. That's why they're able to um, stick together, whereas the sandy pieces are a lot bigger, they're a lot more jagged, and they don't fit together quite as neatly. Um, and compost, you know, the average 
particle size that you find in your compost pile is a lot bigger than a clay, um, you know, just a little clay particle. So working that compost in is actually breaking up those clay particles on a physical level, but also on a chemical level as well. The, um, there are a lot of acids that are generated in, um, in the composting process, and I can't remember the name of the acid off the top of my head, but what that does, um, clay particles have a charge to them, and those acids create an opposite charge in the compost, and so the clay particles will actually, you know, the, the plus and the minus, essentially, the ions attract each other, and those clay particles will sort of be pulled apart somewhat. So it, it opens up the soil, or it opens up clay soils is a lot of what people say about working compost in a clay. So it, working compost in a clay will, you know, make your soil more free draining on a, on like a physical level and also on a chemical level. Let's go look at some soil with some more organic content to it. Sounds good. So as we were walking down this path, we spied a patch of stinging nettles here, which, uh, which prefer w wet soil. Yeah, nettles, um, traditionally do like a wet soil you'll see them growing in kind of well you'll see them growing in a lot of places honestly but um, I remember when I first discovered that plant it was in a very boggy type area with pretty low like less than an inch standing water so they're certainly adapted to those kind of conditions but they'll they'll also do well in a lot of places but there's no doubt that they like wet soil if some people want to um, you know a lot of people wouldn't necessarily consider nettle a desirable plant but or at least to have in their garden, but there's a lot of cool benefits of nettle as well. People use it for medicinal purposes, or it can even be cooked down and eaten. Um, I've never tried it, but it'd be curious, or I'd be curious. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it could be a desirable plant. Lots of plants could be desirable plants, I say. <laughs> well, cooking renders the, the little barbs, uh, you know, uh, ineffective, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's my understanding, at least. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's dig in there and just see what the soil looks like. Sounds good. Let me grab my trusty shovel. So this shovel's just plunging right in as opposed to the lawn, which was the lawn when we dug in there, that only went in about two inches at most. We've got at least eight inches deep um, just on first plunge. So let's see what we can cut out. Oh, that's much. That's much darker than the soil under the lawn. Yeah, it's definitely darker, and it's on top of being darker, it's darker um, quite a ways down. Even with the lawn soil in those first two inches, you could kind of see a pretty good um, color gradient even between the top inch and that lower inch in those first two inches. Here we've got eight inches and um, a lot of uh, larger, t undecomposed, um, pieces up at tops, things like wood chips and pine needles. And then we've got sort of in the middle, we see a lot of um, larger mineral particles, things that look like sand grains. But then towards the bottom, it's actually, at least at the light I'm looking in right now, looks kind of the darkest. Um, so that sort of looks like the more organic content down there. It's almost like, so you've got the mulch at the top that's slowly decomposing, and it almost looks like it's draining through this middle sandy layer as it decomposes and then sort of gets trapped down lower. I wonder if there's more clay down there or something. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility and it's a good assessment. Um, it really, you kind of can see this gradient of mulch, um, mineral layer, and then be it a clay or organic layer, something something a little dark towards the bottom. We'd probably have to dig 
um, dig a bit deeper to uh, <laughs> um, to see what we've really got. But What's this white fuzzy stuff in here at, that's near the top? Here. Oh wait, that's a rock. But I see, do you see that? Uh-huh. What is that? I do. Um, not totally sure off the top of my head what I would guess is that it's um, fungal hyphae, which is sort of the rooting parts of fungal bodies. Um, so every, like when you see, when we see mushrooms out in the forest, that's just like a fruit on an apple tree. So the apple fruit, um, and the hyphae are the roots that allow it to move through the soil and gain the nutrients it needs. So, uh, there's a zillion different types of, uh, fungi that can be found in the soil and, um, definitely seeing the presence of fungal hyphae is a good thing. So why is that good? Oh, um, well, I'd say healthy soil is certainly one of the characteristics of it is um, a active soil, um, active soil life and an active soil food web with a lot of diversity. So, um, you know, good healthy soil is going to have a lot of bacteria, a lot of fungi, a lot of um, animals as well, which fungi and bacteria don't really fall into. Um, now, as, as composters, sometimes we take for granted that we want to have these things in our soil because when we look in our compost pile, they have all kinds of things crawling around in there and fungi too. But um, how do they help, how do these things in the soil help the plants? Oh, there's a, um, there's a lot of different ways. I mean, just, uh, I'm going to put this down for a minute. <laughs> it's kind of a balancing act. Um, particularly with fungi, it's interesting that you brought that up. Um, just in recent years, um, scientists and gardeners are really um, beginning to understand the symbiotic relationships that fungi and plants have. A great analogy that I like to use, um, think about humans and, and ruminants especially that have bacteria in their gut that are specialized to help us digest food. Really similar interactions between um, the fungal kingdom and the plant kingdom as well. Um, mycorrhizae are the, that's the organism, or that's the class of fungus name and what that means, um, that describes fungus that sole purpose is really to develop this symbiotic relationship between plants where they're helping plants um, gain nutrients, access water, um, et cetera, et cetera, while the plant, the plant host provides a growing medium for this fungus. So um, yeah, in recent years it's turned out that almost every plant really we can find has some kind of symbiotic relationship with, with a fungus. So they're a huge part of growing plants and they live in the soil. I've, I've read about how some fung, fungi, fungi, do you say fungi or fungi? I say fungi. <laughs> okay, some it's... fungi will, uh, you know, they, they've got these long hyphae through the soil that kind of look like roots and then they'll attach themselves to plant roots and the plants can kind of use them as an extension of their root system. Is that the symbiotic relationship you're talking about? That's mycorrhizae in a nutshell. That's exactly what it is. You described it perfectly. And the mycorrhizae can uh, extract some things out of the soil that the plant itself cannot do on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some similar, like kind of like I was talking a little bit earlier with the organic, um, with how the charges to compost will, um, you know, really attract particles in the soil. Similar things with, uh, with mycorrhizae, um, you know, that they have certain chemical properties to them that are, you know, be that make them more apt to draw certain nutrients um, that plants wouldn't necessarily get otherwise if that relationship didn't exist. Now, the bed where we dug up these mycorrhizae mm -hmm. is a perennial bed, right? And the way this perennial, I mean, it's essentially, you know, it's a, 
nettles, it's camas, it's some... Iris. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a perennial bed. And so this isn't a bed that is dug up every year. It's kind of, you add mulch to it every year, I assume. Is, is that part of why the mycorrhiza are so healthy and prominent in this bed? Certainly. I mean, I'd say in, you know, in the Tilth Gardens, we manage things well enough that we probably have pretty good fungal relationships going on in our perennial beds as well as our annual beds. But you're totally right. I mean, just, you know, the more a soil gets disturbed, the more all types of um, organisms in the soil would be less likely to thrive. Um, that, uh, that includes mycorrhizae, that includes bacteria, that includes things like, you know, the, the large organisms in the soil like earthworms. Um, yeah, disturbance definitely can deter their success rate of sorts, which is why, you know, if you look at large-scale agriculture, um, you know, there's so many proponents of no-till farming and um, conservation tillage because it, it's doing exactly what you're talking about. It's not disturbing that soil life or not nearly to the degree that, you know, a large-scale cultivator would. Okay, let's go look at a disturbed bed at uh, a garden bed and dig up a little soil there and talk about it. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, sure, okay. this will work. <laughs> Where are we? We're standing in the Tilth Gardens in our vegetable production area. We have about 25 veggie beds that are about three feet by 10 feet. So um, we're looking at a you know roughly 30 square foot vegetable growing bed that's been had vegetables and other crops produced on it for almost 30 years now. And you can hear a nail gun in the background because they're re-roofing the picnic structure back there. <laughs> That's right. Always something going on in the Tilth Gardens. Okay, so let's uh, just dig a little hole here and see what we find. I, I think I'm going to do that again because this it just uh, this shovel just plunged into this soil like butter. Whoa! What we're looking at here is um, a nice loose loamy soil structure that probably even um, probably even tends a little bit on the sand side, I'd say. Um, the Tilth Garden has, uh, I mean, it, historically it has sandy soil, but it also has 30 years of working in a lot of organic matter. So it's real loamy, it's real fertile, and it's good quality gardening soil. But um, we are seeing, I mean, even really after the top two or three inches, we're getting down to a nice, um, almost copper brown color in a lot of the soil. So, um, which means lower organic content, right? Uh, yeah, it, it does. It means it means it's more. It means the mineral content is certainly higher. But you know, if you start getting into it a little more, we see some darker. Actually, that's funny. It seems like more in the center of that sample. It's darker. Um, it's still a mix, but. Now it's all dark down here. Hold on, I'm gonna dig another sample. That was interesting. It actually, we're almost sort of seeing the same thing. It looks like it's getting a little bit darker towards the bottom. Now this soil probably gets turned a lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it gets, um, I mean, it gets disturbed a lot and it's cultivated. It's also, um, you know, and it has things added to it, um, mineral fertilizers, organic mineral, or Organic mineral doesn't quite make sense, but organic fertilizers or natural fertilizers or um, mineral fertilizers that come from, that, don't, that aren't synthetic. Um, so that can explain some of the coloration as well. I love these earthworms, sorry. So in this bed we found, uh, you know, 
more color variation in the soil. It looks like in some areas it has less uh, organic matter because it's not as dark, but in, you know it's kind of in pockets because the soil gets turned a lot. Um, but generally it's very free draining, less mycorrhiza and stuff, but we think that those might establish if we gave it enough time. Yeah, they definitely will. I mean, these beds have been managed um, in terms of, you know, lots of plants have been grown on them, lots of organic matter has been incorporated into here, lots of uh, fertilizers and other amendments have been incorporated. So what we're looking at is not, um, you know, a native soil by any means. It's, um, but it is, it's also a healthy soil. I would say, you know, just because a, a native soil doesn't necessarily constitute a healthy soil, it just constitutes something that's undisturbed. So you're totally right. Um, you know, the fungi and bacteria and mycorrhizae, those will all move in in time once these plants get established and once the bed starts going to work. So this is what we will, what we should be trying for, essentially. Definitely. If you're, um, you know, if you want to grow vegetable beds, uh, having a nice loamy soil with um, a solid mineral base, a good like 10 to 12 or 11-ish percentage organic matter, um, you know, that's a soil that's not constantly being worked, that you're, you know, rotating your beds and whatnot and caring for them and not leaving them uncovered for long periods of time. That's, those are all great, um, you know, they're great bases for starting that vegetable garden. For the Master Composter Podcast, I'm Joshua McNichols.